Welcome one and welcome all to the Woven Words Podcast, episode 6, A Terrible Beauty. Today, we will be talking about one of my favourite poets, none other than William Butler Yeats. Yes, it's pronounced Yeats, not Yeats. Disappointing, I know. I love him most for his poem, I Aid Wishes for the Clots of Heaven, but we will not be reading Clots of Heaven as it is a bit too short to make a full episode, but instead another one of Yeats' poems, Easter 1916. But before we read the poem, let's learn a little bit about Mr. Yeats. William Butler Yeats was born in 1865 in Sandy Mount, Dublin, Ireland, part of the Protestant Anglo-Irish minority who controlled much of life in Ireland. While others in this group saw themselves as English people born in Ireland, Yeats was proudly Irish, despite spending considerable portions of his life in London. William didn't align himself with his Protestant roots, or even the Roman Catholic majority, instead focusing on older Irish culture and beliefs. Many of his poems feature Irish legends, folklore, ballads, and songs, making him one of the most prominent representatives of Ireland. His poetry was first published in the Dublin University Review in 1885, and he continued to publish poems and plays until his death in 1939, earning the Nobel Prize for Literature in 1923. Even though his public persona focused on the physical world, similar to John Keats, his private values more so reflected Blake and Shelley, influenced by oculatism and spiritualism. He joined Golden Dawn, a secret society that practiced ritual magic, in 1890 and remained an active member for 32 years. In 1917, his just-married wife, Georgiana Hyde Lee, experimented with automatic writing, the concept of her hand, pen, and paper serving as a conduit for the spiritual world. Yeats studied her 4,000 pages of writing, forming theories about personality and history. He was also active in theater, managing Dublin's Abbey Theatre Company, and being the founding president of the Irish National Theatre Society. The simple diction and conversational rhythm of theatre also influenced his poetry at the turn of the century. In the early 20th century, his nationalism began to show again, his poems inspired by the conflicts in various years and the Irish Civil War of 1922 to 1923. He even took a role in the Irish Free Senate. And this brings us to his poem, Easter 1916 inspired by the Easter Rising, an unsuccessful six-day armed rebellion of Irish Republicans against the British in Dublin. His good friend Maud Gond's ex-husband, John McBride, was even executed for his participation in it. As always, I'll first read the poem, and then explain the analysis behind it. And the poem is in the episode description if you'd like to read along. I especially recommend you pull it up because I'll be referencing specific parts in the analysis. Now, grab a cup of tea and join me in reading Easter 1916. Easter 1916 by William Butler Yeats. 
I've met them at close of day, coming with vivid faces, from counter or desk among grey 18th century houses, I've passed with a nod of the head, or polite meaningless words, or have lingered a while and said polite meaningless words, and thought before I had done of a mocking tale or a gibe to please a companion around the fire at the club, being certain that they and I but lived where motley is worn. All changed, changed utterly. A terrible beauty is born. That woman's days were spent in ignorant goodwill, her nights in argument until her voice grew shrill. What voice more sweet than hers when, young and beautiful, she rode to harriers? This man had kept a school and rode our winged horse. This other, his helper and friend, was coming into his force. He might have won fame in the end, so sensitive his nature seemed, so daring and sweet his thought. This other man I had dreamed a drunken, vainglorious lout. He had done most bitter wrong to some who are near my heart, yet I number him in the song. He too has resigned his part in the casual comedy. He too has been changed in his turn, transformed utterly. A terrible beauty is born. Hearts with one purpose alone, through summer and winter seem, enchanted to a stone to trouble the living stream, the horse that comes from the road, the rider, the birds that range, from cloud to tumbling cloud, minute by minute they change. A shadow of cloud on the stream changes minute by minute. A horse hoof slides on the brim, and a horse clashes within it. The long-legged moor hens dive, and hens to moor cocks call. Minute by minute they live, the stones in the midst of all. Too long a sacrifice can make a stone of the heart. Oh, when may it suffice? That is heaven's part, our part, to murmur name upon name as a mother names her child when sleep at last has come on limbs that had run wild. What is it but nightfall? No, no, not night, but death. Was it needless death after all? For England may keep faith for all that is done and said. We know their dream, enough to know they dreamed, and are dead. And what if excess of love bewildered them till they died? I write it out in a verse, Macdonough and Macbride and Connolly and Pierce, now and in time to be, wherever green is worn, are changed, changed utterly. A terrible beauty is born. Quite the poem, isn't it? I think so. Well... Despite Yeats' fierce nationalism, his was traditionally more romantic and spiritualistic. However, Easter 1916 in particular shows his change towards the more self-skeptical and less idyllic modernism. The first stanza introduces us to them, aka Yeats' fellow citizens emerging from the metropolis of Dublin into the locales of the evening. In this case, Motley refers to both the Motley group of people and the clothes of the court fool. More on this later. This ordinary tone quickly changes into the story of revolution and rebellion, with the lines all changed, changed utterly, a terrible beauty is born, which are also later repeated. This change is the Easter Rising of 1916. As I said, 
a week-long rebellion of a thousand Irish Republicans who wanted to establish an independent Ireland. This was quickly and ruthlessly stopped out by the government. Many people were executed. Brutal, right? Not only did this rebellion take place during Holy Week, but both it and Easter also represent, quote, simultaneously crucifixion and resurrection, reality and archetype. Just like how the tone of ordinary lives turns to one of revolution, the crowd of Dubliners in the beginning parts to reveal our four main characters. That woman, or the nationalist politician Constant Gorbuth Markeves, this man, or the poet Patrick Pierce, his helper and friend, or the t poet Thomas McDonough, and the drunken, vainglorious lout, or John McBride, Maud Gon's abusive former husband. Yates condemns them for various things, yes, but he also admits that each played a key part in the rebellion. In another change of tone, Yates pulls out the nature metaphors. Poets love those, don't they? As I was saying, he pulls out the nature metaphors in stanza three. The animated, ever-moving landscape represents the natural order of the state, full of movement and transformation. In contrast, the revolutionaries are like the stone, fixed in place, fixed on one goal, unnatural. Finally, the fourth stanza. Interestingly enough, the original manuscript shows this stanza required the most editing from Yeats. It was likely difficult to write because of its topic, a lament for the dead. His desperate questions show that he was unsure if the sacrifice was worth it, whether, quote, excess of love for one's country can be too much. However, he also shows that we should commit the people of the rebellion to memory, to murmur name upon name as the mother names her child. In the second verse, Yeats says that revolutionaries have resigned themselves from the casual comedy. Remember the Motley Fool comment? This casual comedy is the freedom to pursue individual liberty and happiness without political interruption, something that the revolutionaries give up to pursue their larger goals. However, the fourth verse shows this comedy has turned into a tragedy, the bloodshed of the rebellion. Yeats ends the poem by repeating those lines, changed, changed utterly, a terrible beauty is born. This use of repetition and closure gives the poem the feel of an elegy for us to experience the tragedy of Easter 1916 and the people who gave everything to it. In this remembrance of death, he also contrasts death with life, fixation with change, and the crucifixion and resurrection of Easter itself. That, my friends, unfortunately brings us to the end of our journey with Mr. Yates in Easter 1916. I hope you enjoyed, and until next time, this is Esther, out. <laughs>